0: Will this theme tune last longer than Cheryl's new marriage? Answer me this! Answer me this!
1: Is that tattoo on her ass or the red cabbage?
0: Answer me this! Answer me this! Helen and Ollie, answer me this! Sorry, listeners, for the disruption to your regular fortnightly answer me this schedule. What happened was... We all needed a holiday.
1: We've all been on our summer holidays. We
0: went to Iceland, which is like winter all the time.
1: (laughs) And I went to Paris, which is like a big plate of food.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) With some buildings
1: sprouting out the top. And a subtle smell of piss. It does smell of wheat, doesn't it? It it. (laughs) does a little bit, yeah.
0: Iceland smells a bit of sulphur. When you're having a shower and the hot water is, is geothermal does stink of eggs <laughs> so, Iceland is a country that illustrates very effectively the three states of matter for water because there's a lot of ice obviously in the name and mm. there's water amazing
1: waterfalls yeah amazing amazing waterfalls, amazing
0: waterfalls. and then uh, steam because they've got the geysers parping out all the time Oh that's cool yeah eggy <laughs> okay oh, really
1: yeah they don't look eggy on the TV <laughs> no you
0: don't you don't get the smell of
1: vision. <laughs> did you ever stand underneath one and pretend to be Michael Jackson in Earth song when it burst up? Shame But the water would uh, Scald you right up the undercarriage Well it's worth it To be eggy Michael Jackson For just one day
0: Here's a question from Craig In Stafford Who says I was on Google Maps And looked at the street view Of Downing Street And noticed that number 10 Is all blurred out
1: Yeah that's what it's like In real life You've never been (laughs)
0: It's all blurry While he asked me this Why is this the case As everyone knows What number 10 looks like A terrorist using Google Maps To see potential targets
1: Well yes basically That's the fear
0: Right Uh, I was surprised that The Google Street View car Was allowed up Downing Street I'm not.
1: Massive publicity win that, isn't it? Yeah,
0: but the the gate to shut.
1: Yeah, I know, but they were arranged it in advance. I think no. it's probably fair to suppose
0: spontaneous. I was passed by the Google Street View car a few days
1: ago. Did you wave in Crystal Palace?
0: No, I didn't do any oh, funny jokes. But in two years' time, would have seemed really funny and clever.
1: You've got to think of something that's prescient, haven't you? And like, what yeah. can you do that's physical comedy that's going to be yeah. funny? In, as you say, two years' time, beat, I guess squatting to look like you're having a shit is always funny.
0: Couldn't beat those uh, people in Scotland that did the fake murder scene. Yeah, that's that was nice. very oh, quick yeah, thinking. Was, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Difficult. That's, so I would suggest to you, listeners, have a prank in mind <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Can
2: you do some? Sort of like visual joke that's about data privacy or robots, because that would be quite a, a good visual Google.
1: joke about data privacy. Yeah, you'd okay. need to walk around with your own little blurry screen that you hold up in front of yes! your face. Yes brilliant it could be quite funny do you
0: think that's why they had to blur it out because David Cameron was doing a funny joke (laughs) for the Google Street View (laughs) car it just
1: wasn't funny two years later no Um, so yeah no it does appear that the British government had a about turn on this uh, as they never do with any of their other policies oh no Um, and this was that yes they did indeed allow the Google Street View car down Downing Street to take a picture much like at the White House you can not only see the outside but also inside the building as well it was a big flagship thing you know Downing Street working with Google da 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 partnership exciting And then after this recent law was passed saying that you are allowed to request that buildings are blurred, uh, after which point I think... uh Paul McCartney's asked for his house to be blurred Tony Blair has asked for his house to be blurred Tony Blair uh, Tony Blair uh, Wait, wait
2: that, but that not that really counterproductive because then you can just figure out where they live you know they live roughly in this area and they, you can just look for the
1: blurry house yes but you can't necessarily see what number the house is for example well you can look at number 10 and, yeah, I know. and number 14 people
0: will be able to find out where Paul McCartney lives because he's had the same place in Peasmarsh for decades
1: yeah. but mm.
0: it's probably harder to go and case his house yeah. from the street than it is to look at a picture online and figure the most vulnerable and entrance also points just,
1: just knowing like, you know, oh, Paul, you've got that yellow plant pot in your window. It's just a bit weird, isn't bit it? personal. Yeah. Mm. So mm. I don't know why Downing Street is now on the list. It, uh, as you might imagine, they haven't uh, released information to Google about why this would be, Yeah. Uh, but I imagine it must be a security thing, obviously. They've decided yeah. that there is too much of a risk that people would be looking at it thinking, where could they throw a bomb, but it, basically? But it's on like 100,000... 000- Postcards. I well, know. I was going to say TV shows, so you could
2: just take a little bit of Sky News and go, oh yeah, that's how high the window is, I can chuck a...
1: Yes, then. but I wonder if you can actually, in the same kind of clever ways, uh, use the data in different systems, like cross-reference that data with other data. So if it's all computerized and you've got an image, could you run a program on Google Street View or that shows, 3D where, you'd, map exactly, shows where, you're, where you'd run to plant the bomb? Whereas it's just easier just to take it off, isn't it? Well, here's a question from Fergus, who says, Capers can be very difficult to source in Manchester.
0: For Uncivilised
1: place uh, Smaller supermarkets Don't stock them Which calls for a terrible trip To a terrible big supermarket
0: Couldn't you mail order them? Capers.com maybe I
1: think there are lots of things You can only get from big supermarkets So you just lump them all together Don't you And you only go occasionally
0: Well in Manchester You could go to booths I'm sure booths have got capers Oh
1: booths are all over the capers <laughs> And it is a caper going to booths Absolutely uh, Despite this says Fergus I am a fan of capers The heart wants what the heart wants um, But Helen answer me this Actually what is a caper? For many years, I thought they grew in the sea due to their affiliation with seafood.
0: Like parsley and lemons.
1: (laughs) Chips, yeah. And I continue to refer to them as the olive of the sea.
0: (laughs) You renegade.
1: Uh, Although my girlfriend does not accept this appellation.
0: A caper, Fergus, is a pickled bud of the shrub Caparis spinosa, and caper berries are the fruits of the same.
1: So when you're Mm. buying a caper, you're not buying the berry.
0: No, you're buying the bud.
1: You're buying, so like the head of a flower.
0: A prepubescent flower. Yeah, which
1: is kind of what it looks like. Whereas the
0: cable berries are smooth and they've got a stalk usually and they're bigger.
1: But I know what he means because it is so associated with seafood. You do think maybe it's, because I knew it was a plant. Like you can tell looking at it, it's a plant. Yeah. But I thought... Duh, not
0: everyone knows the plant. But I
1: did think maybe it was a plant that grows near the sea or even in the seabed. It's not mm. inconceivable that it's a bit of seaweed. Exactly. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, no, it only thrives in arid... Climates wow. or semi-arid climates, and in fact, even too much humidity can cause it to rot a bit. Right. Wow. So the reason why they have this slightly marine taste is because people mm. only eat them after they've been pickled, because otherwise they don't taste very good. In ancient Greece, capers were used as a cure for flatulence. I wonder if that works.
1: Would you just shove it up your ass? <laughs> 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 Can't you imagine that would work. Hi,
0: it's
2: Harriet from Cambridge, and um, I'm just folding at the moment. So Helen and Ollie, will you answer me this? Um,
1: what is it about bowling shoes why do they have this hideous black and red stripe what is the origin of that story why why do all bowling shoes look like this
0: well not all bowling shoes look like that it's just that is the most commonly stereotyped bowling shoe because most bowling shoes otherwise just look like shoes
1: I'd be very disappointed if I went to the bowling alley and they weren't in the bowling shoe style.
0: No clown shoes.
1: No, if they were just normal shoes, or even just like, you know, Converse trainers or something, I'd feel cheated.
0: I think a lot of bowlers, though, think those shoes are ugly, so there are many styles available, but I think these ones are the stereotypical bowling shoe, partly because they have no associations with other things, so Mm. you think bowling shoe. Mm. Secondly, because they don't want you to nick the shoes and those shoes are so ridiculous and also blatantly bowling shoes that they think, well, no
1: one wants to look like a clown. I think that's a huge part of it, not stealing the shoe.
0: And I think maybe thirdly... the aesthetic of bowling seems to be from a mid 20th century Americana perspective, and these shoes sum that up more than subsequent styles.
1: Yeah, because it's a bit like this with the computer graphics, isn't it, at the bowling alley? Uh, you know, you get a strike, and the computer goes strike, and the alligator comes out of the water and dishes a, out an X or whatever. The
0: picture of Doris Day comes oh. up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's no, but it's specifically 1980s, early 1980s, when they digitized the bowling alleys.
0: And yet, that was an era kind of in love with the 50s.
1: Yes. So you've got the, the general kind of trend of the bowling alley you know there's normally a place that sells burgers and fries there uh, you have the music, which typically will be 50s and 60s music. You have the not shoes. A lot of
0: Roy Orbison there. Yeah.
1: And then, you, and then the graphics come from the 1980s. Now, it's not as if the technology hasn't existed in the last 30 years for them to update those graphics, mm-hmm. but they choose not to because they're selling an experience that is rooted in nostalgia, aren't they? And I think the shoes are part of that, I agree. I think if yep. you know, if, if Nike or Reebok came along and redesigned the bowling shoe and made them cooler, you still would want the old one.
0: Uh, all I've got on the brain at the moment, though, is
1: we're going to score tonight from Greece 2. Oh, I've, I'm not familiar enough with the film, thankfully, for that to be. A,
0: well, what it is, Ollie, a is a clever double meaning uh-huh. because the scoring not only refers to sex but also bowling.
1: As in my favourite song from The Hunting of the Snark, I'm going to be snookering you tonight.
0: Well done for, we- <laughs> for out obscuring Grease 2 <laughs> as a musical reference. When you go bowling. Are you a bit apprehensive? I like what? you
1: said that like it's a regular thing. I haven't been bowling since I had back trouble, so that puts yeah. us in 1997.
0: I go about once wow. a decade, because I have very poor spatial
1: awareness, <laughs> so it's not very enjoyable for me to fail. I, I actually went with a work trip um, about five years ago. and
0: That was pre-shoulder dislocation.
1: It was pre-shoulder dislocation, but post-back mm-hmm. trouble, so I was taking yeah. it easy. Um, but what was funny was... Because it's a sport, even though it's not really a sport, yeah. I still wasn't taking it that seriously because I can't, because it's a sport.
0: It's meant to be a fun game. Yeah. It's like mini golf. You look like a dick if you take mini golf too seriously. Right.
1: But there was a guy there, and he was American, working in Britain. He was from New York, but he, he'd lived in Britain for twenty years. Did but... he have
0: his name engraved on the bowling ball? Yes. Wow.
1: He turned up with his own bowling ball, his own bowling shirt. He's
0: like the guy that Marge Simpson almost has an affair with.
1: It was so cool. But also, what was cool is he's about fifty and bald. Yeah. So it was it was the combination yeah, like of a bowling all of ball. It. Yeah. But like. <laughs> His persona in the office would not be someone... He was a New York intellectual in his 50s, living in Britain. Like, the persona of that, being someone who has their own bowling ball and is really into bowling, he took it so seriously. I've never seen anything like it. Like, when he went to bowl... He sort of cleared out either side of him. Yeah. He looked from left to right. He got down on one knee and sort of like looked like he was sniffing the tarmac before he got up and bowled. <laughs> mm. Extraordinary. Was it any good? Yeah, it was great. Okay. You
0: bloody I mean. hope so with all that ritual. What I was going to say is when you go bowling, do you feel apprehensive putting on the shoes that have been worn by the steamy feet of strangers?
1: No, because I always am very reassured by the spray.
0: The spray? You know, just mm. before
1: you put the shoe on, they go... Pffs- And then it comes out It looks like a Rainforest effect In a theme park It's like a virgin
0: shoe again Yeah
1: What is the point? I mean you're not supposed To scuff the ground Is that it? It's
0: to keep the bowling alleys clean and on scratch But also the soles Are to help you glide Because a street shoe Would make you stick To the lane So you couldn't really do The proper glide As you bowled supposed to glide. Yeah.
1: This is the thing. I mean, probably one in 20 bowlers in the UK takes that.
0: Well, a proper bowler who has their own shoes, one shoe will be glidey and the other shoe will be grippy yeah. so you can get your posture perfect.
1: It's a bit like when you go ice skating, isn't it? I mean, obviously you have to use their shoes when you do that <laughs> because you can't get your own trainers on a night nice drink. But, <laughs> but they give you ice shoes that, that really... A decent ice skater couldn't use like they're, they're, You know you well, can't like be wearing, brilliant in them, can you? It's
0: like wearing a plaster cast of your own foot Exactly,
1: and yet Most people still probably don't use the limited features That are provided on the ice shoe that they give you well, at the ring
0: how could I when I'm clinging to the
1: barrier the exactly. whole time? all you're doing is like clinging to the barrier Pushing yourself around
0: <laughs> What I really need is crutches when I go <laughs> ice skating
1: I got a question Email your question to answer me this podcast at Google Answer Else me this podcast at Google Answer House this podcast at Google Answer House this podcast at Google
0: question from andy from manchester who says the top 40 chart is now allowing streamed music from spotify and others in the official chart
1: i can't help feeling helen you should be doing this question in the style of alan fluff freeman and this is an opportunity wasted do, 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 do.
0: in the top 40 chart now they're allowing spotify <laughs> and Napster streaming
1: yeah <laughs> that's not a great impression i should I can't never do have, it. i should never have requested that's it. It.
0: it's very rarely presented by a woman until now but i can't do an impression of jamila jamil
1: not off Uh, (laughs) That's a really good impression of Jamila Jamil That's exactly what she does Uh, That's how she's so down with the kids
0: Ollie, answer me this How many times would I need to stream a song To be number one And what was the lowest amount of singles Bought to ever make it to number one
1: Okay, so the fewest selling number one record Ever in a week uh, Was uh, Orson's No Tomorrow
0: Oh, Which that's completely why you were streaming about. that song earlier. I thought, I can't believe my ears. This can't like, be happening. I was like, what, is that? what
1: was that song? But when I played it, I was like, oh yeah, that one. I
0: meant they right. were very arrogant because they called their album... Your favourite band Or something oh, yeah, like yeah your favourite band Bellends anyway, how well it turned out For them
1: <laughs> How many, so many sales uh, So they sold In one week 17,694 copies And got to number one That's
0: pretty And that's the lowest
1: That's the lowest For a weekly sale To get to number one when, In when, the UK When was that So mid 2000s So that's when it reached It's Nadir Because that was when The sales chart Was still based Solely on physical sales Oh yeah
0: so iTunes Didn't count then. So iTunes
1: didn't count mm. As soon as digital sales Started taking on board as well Then you got back up To a kind of figure Of 100,000 Which th- is what it used to be I
0: think I'm pretty sure That Natasha Beddingfield was the first person at number one when they started including iTunes.
1: I can believe it. Sounds and this time right. this
0: time with streaming, it's Ariana Grande. It's not necessarily the most memorable acts that mm. that get these landmarks.
1: Well the biggest streaming act ever is Bastille.
0: Whoa. Yeah. Well, I'm not even sure I know a single Bastille song. I
1: know. Who are they? And and you know uh,
0: it's a French prison. <laughs>
1: It's just the same of people moaning and clinking cups against bars. And having false. their heads cut off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not surprised they're popular, but I was surprised that's the biggest streaming song ever.
0: Yeah. What um, is it?
1: Uh, Pompeii. And if you close your eyes... oh, that's oh, what
0: the, oh. Why is that called Pompeii? And if you close know. your eyes, you can see the frescoes on the house of the Vettii.
1: That's uh, pretty much it, yeah. Yeah,
0: Bastille. I've been to Pompeii as well. <laughs> uh, what's unfair as well about this whole streaming thing? Firstly... Napster I'd forgotten that That was a going concern I hadn't even heard The name used in the last 10 years I know it's a music sales site now But really who cares Yeah Secondly 100 streams equates to One sale That's right Which I think
1: is a bit skewed I think that's I understand how Okay so on the first point Yes, they do mention all of these ridiculous other rivals to Spotify yeah. to justify that they're not just mentioning Spotify when really it is just about Spotify. And, and
0: yet, YouTube is where a whole generation gets their singles from.
1: Yeah, and that's not included. But but not Deezer and Radio and Xbox Music. I mean, Xbox seriously, Music. Come on, Nokia Chart. I know, ridiculous. But anyway, so yes, Napster, whatever. I mean, you but you basically, might, you it's might Spotify.
0: Might as well like you know, music I've heard blasting out of a car that passed me by in the street. Can
2: I just point
1: out that my music is available on all of these terrible <laughs> services? Really,
0: Xbox Radio. <laughs>
1: I think so. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, hundred streams on Spotify, yes, now counts as one sale.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of listening to an I think advert it's about British Gas, though.
1: <laughs> I think it's too much because I think um, obviously it makes sense to say, look, just streaming it once or twice—that's the same as just incidentally hearing it on the radio. That doesn't mm-hmm. count as a sale. Yeah, it's not you're not making the same commitment. I get that, but surely somewhere less than hundred, like fifty. If you listen to something fifty times, you like it as much as if you bought it. Fifty. Mm. I mean, surely that should count.
0: And who bloody buys singles now anyway?
1: Exactly. At the moment, since it does take 100 streams to count as one purchase, uh, and the average single now sells around 100,000 copies a week to get to number one.
0: That's... Oh, okay. mm. Um,
1: You would need to uh, stream a song, if it was just you single-handedly on Spotify (laughs) and no one else was buying it in the shops, you would have to stream it 10 million times. There's
0: probably software that can auto-repeat stream for you. Yeah,
1: but I don't think you could stream a three and a half minute pop song 10 million times in a week, could you, single-handedly? Oh, if it's a complete play? Yeah, Yeah, no, you wouldn't. I think
0: you have to stream it for
2: more than a minute for it to count.
1: Right. It gets very messy. So 10 million is the answer. You'd have to stream it 10 million times to get a number one. But
2: when you stack that up against YouTube, I mean, like, the, the sort of Gangnam stars of the world got, like, a billion hits, didn't they, over, the, over a countable period? Yeah. 10 million YouTube hits isn't a particularly successful song, is it? Um, it's like a
1: moderate... Yeah, but that's in a
2: week, remember? We're talking yeah, about one maybe week it's same. a moderate hit for,
1: like, a big pop-up.
0: Size Gentleman, which was the fastest-growing YouTube video, was 38 million in a week, if you want scale.
1: Okay. But, um... I'm saying this is to reach a target of 100,000 copies per week. That's what currently a number one single on average sells. But that is because we're still in a sales-based world. When it changes to a streaming-based world, it might well be the case that actually now you're going to be getting things that have sold a combination of 100,000 physical or digital sales with, say, Uh, 5 million streams Mm. So actually It could be that To get to number one Will be even harder If you're trying to do it Just through streaming Well
0: here is another Musical question From Elliot from Wrexham Who's been listening To this podcast For bloody ages He has I love Elliot He's been listening
1: Since the pre-digital sales age (laughs) I (laughs) think When it was delivered On wax Sunday By horseback
0: Elliot am I right In thinking that You're one of the people That we recruited In the first few months Of this podcast By grooming you on MySpace (laughs) I know it sounds bad But you're an adult now So it's okay Helen
1: demographically Targeted you When you were a hairless boy
0: <laughs> well I can't comment on his hair
1: mm.
0: uh, but Elliot says Ollie answer me this What was the first band t-shirt ever
1: produced? Hmm. This is actually a really hard question to it
0: answer is. When was the first t-shirt produced I wonder well, exactly. Went from underwear to outerwear
1: Well so t-shirts have been around for a hundred years But they weren't really properly popularised mm. When I say it it's obvious 50s? And everyone Long agrees Brando. with this yes. right. Brando streetcar Right So that was Everyone okay. saw that And they were like Huh You could look hot in a t-shirt Even though actually I've read that Brando Only wore a t-shirt When he was playing Stanley In A Streetcar Named Desire Because the- He
0: spilt egg on his shirt
1: <laughs> <laughs> No you know he's, He was all about Building up the um, Subtext of the character Of course And it was because You know There's a lot of stuff in, in Tennessee Williams About how Stanley's character He comes in carrying A big bag of meat Doesn't he Symbolism <laughs> at the beginning Of the play What
0: can that possibly um. be?
1: <laughs> and so he was It was Supposed to represent His kind of brute physicality uh, So you could mean, see his yeah, muscles Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was the point but anyway. Yeah but
0: it had a big uh, Mickey Mouse on it Which rather diffused The masculinity <laughs>
1: uh, Well this is the thing So it became a big Fashion statement And the point is At what point did T-shirts Start having mm. big Mickey Mouse On them um, And people seem agreed That it was sometime In the 60s But it's hard to say Who did it first
0: Yeah when, when did merch Become a particular exactly. thing Exactly
1: Hard to say Retrospectively You can say Kiss Is the biggest band oh, To yeah. have merch the hell Out of their brand Yeah They like, had like action figures And masks and the whole lot They have they? coffins Board games Coffins wow. Yeah they have pinball machines oh. They have condoms With Kiss on them
0: JLS have got condoms Coffins can only be uh, (laughs) The next step for
1: them I'll have the pink one Because Ashton's my fave
0: (laughs) I want to die in a Marvin
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway It's very hard To find a definite answer On this Because it was a movement It was a countercultural Movement of youth And it wasn't that people Were writing about it At the time Saying hey we did this first Because that wouldn't have been cool
0: It was probably more incremental Than that wasn't it
1: But As far as I can make out It's a bit like me talking about I Love Lucy in the last episode No one knows for certain but I think the band that did it properly in the, in terms of they did it and then more people did it mm-hmm. is the Grateful Dead. Oh. Uh, because yeah, Grateful Dead would have been mid '60s,
0: yeah,
1: uh, which is quite early. So that's before Rolling Stones' lips merch, for example.
0: Right, and it was t-shirts rather than kaftans. T-shirts,
1: and what it meant basically was I smoke joints, so right. it was really part of the counterculture movement. So there was loads of them printed. So I think Grateful. There, were, Dead, there was a bit, There was a big um, acid thing with the Grateful Dead of
2: everyone getting together and taking acid and like tuning into a collective consciousness.
1: Yeah, well, the same with love. Right Right, yeah Yeah, yeah. But that As far as I can work out Actually was people In the 70s Reprinting psychedelic T-shirts from the 60s And not actually That love particularly Printed loads And sold them At their gigs or anything Because that wouldn't Have been cool to do In the 60s Whereas the Grateful Dead Did sell them As a signifier You were interested in drugs
2: I can't imagine um, A 60s
1: band going We really need to Merchandise our brand A bit harder (laughs) Exactly yeah but, but, if the Beatles had done ringtones in the 60s, how cool mm. would that be? Imagine landline ringtones. Brilliant. Oh, wow. <laughs> I need somebody. Sorry, i just got to get the phone. Or doorbells. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and now we give you the intermission brought to you by Answer Me This, episode 106. Available to buy now at AnswerMeThisStore.com. Thank you. Sean from Leicester Says Helen Answer me this In mythology Why do dragons Prefer to eat virgins As opposed to other women uh, Is the hymen that tasty <laughs> There's really no way of knowing Unless we ask a dragon
0: There's a shortage of dragons now Maybe that's because There's a shortage of dragons Food because people Are sexually active earlier
1: No I think there's a shortage Of dragons Because dragons make All films worse When they come in. <laughs> Apart from in Shrek That's quite a cool dragon But that's a subversive dragon That's taking the piss Out of dragons isn't it Harry
0: so. Potter 4 They were okay
1: Oh I just They never impressed me A dragon I mean, I I guess the point is, to a dragon, the world is his oyster, isn't it? He's a big, scary, fire-breathing monster. He can ask for whatever he wants. So why wouldn't you ask for a virgin? You'd rather eat a spring chicken, wouldn't you, than a ropey old hen?
0: I think dragons have sensitive palates. Go and, on. Uh, they want you know lovely tender untainted meat.
1: I think it's about age actually. I think that comes into it as well. Typically, age. virgins will be younger. Well, they're not asking for Susan Boyle, are they? They're not <laughs> asking for Anne Whedicken. Oh, they're asking for
0: the uh, seventeen-year-old. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, a Jonas brother.
0: I think it's uh, partly because virgins were at the time that dragons were peaking. Um, they were a common sacrificial victim. And I suppose because there was a kind of sacred thing about them because they were pure.
1: Uh, So actually, uh, contrary to my theory, the dragon was just saying, don't make any bother over me, mate. If you've got a virgin you're going to sacrifice anyway, just give that one to me.
0: Here's a question that I think will uh, definitively place this episode... In summer of 2014
1: Consider this a uh, time capsule you If you're listening much. in the future It's
0: from Katie from St Ives in Cambridge Not Cornwall Who says I'm a primary school teacher And in the past few weeks Loom bands have taken over mm. Boys and girls are wearing them From foundation stage to year six I've been given several by my children So Ollie, answer me this Where did this loom band craze
2: come from? i just sort of like friendship bands
1: no
0: They're basically like little colourful rubber bands That you can weave into various different concoctions
2: but, Well, a friendship band is woven
1: so it's...
0: it's It's the act of creation Martin The loom bands are the constituents right. to a thing you might wear
1: The rainbow loom right. was invented in 2011 by Chiang Chong Ng. Nj, mm. Nj. Yeah, Well Ng, you know that Chinese surname yeah. was that Is that mm. how it's pronounced? I, well actually I worked with a girl called Sue Ng, And she used to say her name was Ng, But I think that was because people couldn't say right. how you say it in Chinese Anyway. I,
0: I used to work with uh, someone called Diane Ng. And she used to pronounce it Eng I saw it
1: with uh, Jane
0: yeah.
2: and And she was at Eng, I think
1: It's not the important part of the story uh, He was born in Malaysia, I think he was in uh, Michigan though And it was his daughters who sort of invented it
0: Oh, uh, So he didn't invent it, he purloined it And mass marketed it
1: No, he noticed that they were weaving Bracelets out of elastic bands okay. With their hands, because mm-hmm. you can just do it with your hands Oh of
0: course, and so then many he... gadgets you can do with your hands yeah.
1: But people don't and uh, flashlight, for example, <laughs> and uh, he invented a loom because he wanted to join in. He wanted to to weave some bracelets with him and his hands. His big man hands were too big to join in.
0: Now, is that the point where the children don't want to do it anymore? They're like, oh, dad's doing it now. Dad's
1: built a loom. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it must he's have like, seen...
0: hey, girls, can I play loom bands with you? And they're <laughs> like, um, we're on Barbies now. Sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah, it must have seemed really dorky. Uh, but anyway, he, <laughs> he did it. And, uh, you know, it took off in his uh, local uh, school in Michigan. And it was one of these things that he then, he then thought, right, this, there's obviously mileage in this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a toy entrepreneur in that very American way. Yeah. Uh, and he put like $10,000 of his own money into a company, sold it to his own local independent toy stores. So it's quite nice in a way because the story is one of a proper like roots up ground entrepreneur was yeah. not a big toy corporation that came up with this but
0: presumably he sold it and then never made any of the money of all the loom bands that there are now well
1: I don't know what the deals are but I, I know that it's not really properly copyrighted because yeah it's a loom isn't it it's
0: elastic bands elastic paints, bands, isn't it
1: yes elastic bands have been around for a while uh, specifically uh, 1845 the first patent for an elastic band
0: really um, huh.
1: yeah And obviously the the idea of turning them into catapults, bouncy balls, you know, kids have been using elastic bands as a tool. Very creatively. Very long time. I mean,
0: it's sort of like finger knitting, but with elastic bands. And that's been around an awfully long time.
1: I do think it's kind of brilliant, though, that um, yeah, there is this massive trend involving something as old world sounding as a loom.
0: It's like if um, conkers or yo-yos came back in a big way,
1: and no electronics at all. You know, it's a gadget that involves no under the bonnet uh, computer. No power.
0: touchscreen, yeah, nothing. Exactly. But I would have thought that this is a very easy idea to knock off. So there's not that much money in it.
1: Well, yes, although there's very high profit margins. That said, I mean, yeah. they, it's elastic bands because it's elastic bands. I think they sell them for like. A thousand for a pound, but yeah. even say so, that's still high profit margin. They've got them
0: in our corner shop. They're even advertising the fact with a handwritten notice on the door.
1: Here's another question from Katie who says, Helen, answer me this, how do you learn to pole vault? And I think uh, we can interpret from this, she means how does one learn yeah. to pole vault? Yeah. Uh, do you just have a go uh, or do you start with a shorter pole and progress to a longer one? Uh, it all looks rather scary and probably more complicated than that run, stick, pole, in, ground, jump, twist and fall.
0: That is essentially what it is. But, but usually a pole vaulter will have already shown ability in the long jump because that has the most similar takeoff technique. Hmm. Or they'll be a good sprinter, but not fast enough to win sprinting events. And uh, so if they've also got good upper body strength, then um, they'll be encouraged to start by practising using the long jump sandpit for a soft landing.
1: Well, actually, believe it or not... I've done the pole vault. No way! (laughs) Um, What? My my school wasn't um, traditionalist in terms of the sports it made us do. Wow! Um, So we did have to do football and rugby and cricket, but actually they were quite cool about letting us try things like trampolining and, and running. And, uh, and yeah, the, the, we had pole vault kit and I did it in the sixth form. It was fine. No training at all. No one told me how to do it. I just did it. Did
0: you do the proper body flip over the thing? Yeah.
1: We, so what you do is you practice first exactly by doing the high jump. Yeah. And then you do it with a pole. I Jesus. mean, it wasn't really any more complicated than that. Probably really dangerous and they wouldn't let you do it now. But, uh, yeah.
0: But the ancient Greeks and the Celts used to do it in order to cross marshes and fens as a mode of transport. Wow,
1: that's wicked. Yeah. Mm. What about on the other side, though? If it was lower or, I mean, if you lost your pole or how'd you get back? Mm.
0: Well, pick up another pole. Yeah, a just just, uh, just Just pick up a stick on the other side. I well, suppose. you could leave your pole on that side. Chain it up to a fence.
1: Yeah, in case someone nicks it.
0: Yeah. But I, was, I would assume you would use sticks that were there and get from lump of semi-solid earth to the next one. Mm. Sort of like big stilts.
1: You know, I've never heard of anyone jumping a fence, like, you know, when people used to jump the fence at Glastonbury, mm. using a pole. But it would be a sensible way of doing it.
0: Would I mean you'd have to be pretty good, especially at Glastonbury, because you would land on a load of drunks. <laughs> soft landing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is that we're all so incredibly resolutely unsportive mm. and yet podcast keeps proving that we're somewhat popular with the sportif. Because just the other day, there was a piece in The Guardian uh, from ultra runner Rory Basio talking about how she listens to us when she's ultra running, and ultra running is where you just keep running.
1: For hundreds of miles,
0: miles. And <laughs> she'd yeah.
1: take off into space And she listens to us while she's training It was one of those articles where they say like, What are your influences, what, how do you train And then what do you listen to, what music do you listen to How do and you distract
0: answers. yourself from the extreme physical pain
1: And she answered, I don't listen to music, I listen to a podcast called Answer Me This I'd need something like, you know, full on like, Eye of the Tiger yeah. on constant repeat To feel motivated Yeah. But if you're the kind of person that's so motivated that you do indeed Keep running till the land runs out Maybe you almost need something that just kind of chills you out
2: Oh yeah, you've got to pace yourself If you're yeah. running
1: for a hundred Exactly There's got to be yeah. something that's like This conversation's going to go on endlessly We'll listen ever since
0: Then it turns out Quite a few of our listeners Are ultra runners
1: Really? I wonder if there's anyone Who listens to us In waterproof headphones While swimming
0: mm, Maybe we should have An Answer Me This Olympiad <laughs> for all the people That do sporty things Whilst listening to us
1: I'm trying to build a website to bring tourists to Radlit But when I open it up on my smartphone or tablet Something goes wrong and it just looks a bit shit Unlike Hertfordshire itself Well try
0: building that website using Squarespace On desktop and devices it will look simply ace As well designed as Hertfordshire with all that lovely green space
1: County of Opportunity and Stevenage Yes, time to say thank you very much to Squarespace.com for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This. Uh, if you would like to design a beautiful website, uh, head on down to theirs and use the code Answer to get 10% off a year's subscription to their service,
0: which includes a free URL, a, a lot of storage space, and of course the designing templates and tools.
1: It's so easy to use. E-commerce, you want to sell things. Tech support in uh, New York and Dublin as well, if it all goes wrong.
0: Here is a question from Neil from Crawley in West Sussex, who says. I am someone who is squarely in the cupboard camp. You may wonder what that is. You're going to find out. But, Ollie, answer me this. Once and for all, should ketchup be kept in the fridge or in the cupboard?
1: No option for both, What,
0: decant it and keep it in both, like an experiment? Well, I'm,
1: I think the... Official advice on the bottle from Heinz, which Mm. is, after all, I believe... uh, I know I say Heinz now rather than Heinz, Heinz, apparently. Heinz, I believe, account for 85% of ketchup sales in the UK. Not surprised. They're the ones to look at. Their advice is canonical. Their advice, exactly. Uh, Keep it in the cupboard and then once opened, refrigerate. So, I mean, Both. But Both that's is the answer.
0: But that's a precaution because uh, they admit themselves in their FAQ. Because of its natural acidity, Heinz ketchup is shelf stable. However, its stability after opening can be affected by storage conditions. So we recommend that this product be refrigerated to maintain the best quality. That's just hedging their bets, though, isn't it? Just in case mm, someone yes. lives in a, a very hot, unhygienic really shithole, put it in the fridge. And but, actually, th- there is fine.
1: an element. I mean, this sounds wrong, but there is an element of healthy bacteria I believe I have no scientific yeah. basis for this where if it's left to mature slightly in a couple oh. it can taste a bit better sometimes yeah. things like that with long life like with vinegar in them can yeah. taste a bit better when they've been left out well, I don't know why well that also- that's probably chemical that's probably the, vi- the vinegar maybe
2: oxidising a bit more yeah, well than yeah. bacteria, like but, but also really yeah, okay.
0: cold things uh, are harder to taste So
2: Mm.
1: you would
0: have to bring it to room temperature before using it anyway. Uh, But also, vinegar and sugar are preservatives. There's barely another organic ingredient in there.
1: And the recipe, of course, goes back centuries, doesn't it? So in the early 1800s, when they first invented ketchup, there was was no fridge.
0: No, it was to have a way of... pickled
1: product that you'd keep for years. So yeah, the original, the the first printed recipe in English was from 1805. uh, And they say you make five bottles... And you keep them for three years. I actually made a recipe on Valentine's Day this year that involved using half a bottle of ketchup.
0: Well, what were you making? A really horrible tomato
2: soup. You're just the worst boyfriend in the world.
1: No, it were was you making really a, nice. a
0: big heart on the wall? A it, big red heart.
1: It was uh, Jamie's mountain meatballs. Is what it was, <laughs> oh, um, and no, they're really, really good. They're, they're just meatballs basically, but the sauce is made of. Um, you, it sounds disgusting. It does sound disgusting. Okay, you, you, it's a load of ketchup with coffee. Um, hell. And a bit of mustard, and what else was in there? Sugar.
0: There's already sugar in the ketchup.
1: Yeah, but it it was really good. Okay. Very tangy. It's it's kind of like very um southern tasting. Oh yeah, God. it's sort
0: of like being sandblasted in the taste bud, so you don't even notice what you're eating. It was good,
1: I promise. Okay. Yeah. Here's a question from Jill, who says, "While navigating the minefield that is preparing to take my children on holiday, including getting them their own passports." I think it makes sense to have photos of a child on a passport. Nah. It was always an anomaly that you didn't, but a baby. I think that's it. I've got friends who have got a baby. Ben and Nikki just had a baby. They they went to uh, Portugal with mm. their baby, like seven months old, and had to go and get a photo. I yeah. mean, you could have just cut it out of a frame in Snappy Snaps and put it in your passport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They could all have. look the same. My passport's ten years old. I went through when
2: I went through customs for the first time. They really started to peer at me and and, and as if to say, "Is that actually you?" Mm.
0: Yeah, because in Martin's passport picture he's got short hair he's got no beard and he has the worried expression of say a young political seditionary which
1: is not martin's look now now he's bumbling academic with a lot of fur you'd think you'd be able to connect the two and say yes look at this young awkward activist he'd obviously he'd (laughs) obviously settle (laughs) look what he'd obviously become in 10 years jill continues uh helen answer me this when did people start using passports Uh, I can't imagine that my ancestors lined up in the pharmacy to get their picture taken during the Great Famine of the 1840s before setting sail. So how official or reliable was travel documentation before photographic ID,
0: I think this is a question framed from somebody who's never been alive without photography. Of course, before photography existed, things wouldn't be reliant on photography, would they? Mm,
1: true. I like the idea of having an artist's impression of you, though. Yeah. As your passport photo. But then
0: all the royals, everyone would have their hand on a greyhound, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> and a rough.
2: I yeah. see you're
1: not travelling with your greyhound today, sir.
0: <laughs> Step aside. Well,
1: uh, as, as previously discussed, the Queen doesn't have a passport, so that's that's an exemption anyway. They'd no. know if you were pretending to be a royal that you weren't a proper royal. So
0: most people attribute the uh, appearance of the passport. To to the era of Henry V there was an act of parliament in 1414 wow. requiring people a safe conduct document hmm. and these had to be issued by the king but he could give them to anyone whether or not they were English and foreign nationals didn't even have to pay whereas uh, subjects did have to pay What is that like?
1: Mm, That's interesting
0: (laughs) Topsy-turvy But
1: actually there's still a trace of that kind of language Isn't there on the front page of the passport You know when you're bored on a flight And you've got nothing else to look at You've read the in-flight magazine I've
0: always got a book with me Ollie. What do you take me for? (laughs) Obviously
1: I just don't think ahead Of course if I was flying BA I'd be listening to Answer Me This On the comedy podcast (laughs) channel Um, I'd never be bored (laughs) Big shout out to you BA guys (laughs) How's it doing up there? Um, But uh, you know Sometimes you're on the flight You're bored um, And you find yourself reading your passport A bit like when you find yourself Reading the shampoo bottle on the bog And you've read all the magazines Desperate desperate. (laughs) Uh,
0: Retweet to your imagination. (laughs) What is
1: sodium (laughs) laureth sulfate? There is still this legalistic thing written Mm. in beautiful script on a British passport.
0: Illegible script.
1: Illegible script, but it kind of says something like this hereby entitles the recipient... To full protection under the Queen's auspices right. abroad, da 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 da, and it's actually it's actually quite emotional reading it. I think as like that your rights as a British citizen, like yep. going to any, uh, what's the word I'm looking any for? Any corner
0: of the empire once yes.
1: shaded pink. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but exactly. <laughs> but uh, to, and to receive an ambassadorial support if you need it, that's all yeah. inscribed mm-hmm. on your passport document, which I imagine is something that's been there for centuries in some form or another.
0: Do you know what almost did for the passport though? The development of the railway system across Europe, because uh, there were so many borders because a lot of the countries hadn't unified by then, that it was just too much of a pain to check passports. And so they stopped issuing them, and then they uh, came back with a vengeance uh, during the First World War, and that is when you needed a photo. The word passport, that, that was first used um, from at least 1540,
1: mm. which so I mean, is means passing through early. the door or something, does it? Yeah,
0: exactly. So, which I suppose
1: must be part of the reason why they kept the name for airport. It was established not only that Mm. port was a port, but people had passports and you were going to use a passport at an airport. It's a
0: place of transition.
1: And also a beautiful bottle full of tasty alcohol. Have you ever bought a bottle of port at a port? No. I have. In Portugal.
0: Okay. (laughs) I was at
1: at Portugal airport and I bought a bottle of port.
0: Well, congratulations. You're the portiest one here. I I
1: only did it because it was so meta. Here's
0: a question about something you might do on holiday Hmm. from Richard, who says, Ollie, answer me this. Why is it that when you sunbathe, oh, naturel, that one's todger never gets sunburnt. I mean, one would have thought you would have to smother it in oil.
1: Yeah, Richard, you're lucky, basically, that's the answer. Really? Um, it's got
0: an unburnable todger.
1: Yeah. No, 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 he's just been lucky not to have been burned on his todger. Your, your todger is no less burnable than any other part of you.
0: I would have thought that the skin on there would be more burnable because it's so rarely exposed to sun in the average brit
1: yeah anyway uh yes your penis can get burned testes uh, particularly Mm. if you're circumcised obviously the head of your penis more at risk
0: Oh God! Um,
1: so if you are going to sunbathe for a long time in direct sunlight yes you should oil it up
0: or put a little parasol over it (laughs) like a cocktail umbrella
1: now the disadvantage uh in a way if you consider this a disadvantage to the nation as a whole is that you can't really sunbathe nude here because uh you live in an area you know very very pretty public park but oh, you mean
0: we can't sunbathe yes, nude? but
1: you don't really have your own garden I don't space.
0: sunbathe, so why sure, would I so sunbathe so you wouldn't, you, wouldn't juice you
1: anyway. No. But i i've been partial to it in the past have you yeah in my parents garden i do
0: oh when um, they're not in when they're not in yeah. do they have neighbors that can overlook the no gardener?
1: and for that reason that's why i have in the past although once i did do it and then the gardener came in to do something <laughs> in the uh, patio he started screaming i went running into the house very quickly indeed um but uh, in my new garden in my new house which i do love but this is a fault with it mm. uh, there is nowhere in that garden that isn't overlooked by a small child so I'm Ew. just even when I'm shirtless, I feel a bit like I shouldn't be. There's not a part of my garden that isn't overseen. Apart from there's like a trench next to the garden shed,
0: yeah, uh, which that sounds is cool.
1: lying in mud. But then if I did lie there in the mud next to the garden shed, where I think the cat craps, mm-hmm. uh, if I wanted to lie naked there, you're not viewed by children from the houses adjacent, but you are potentially viewed by the public footpath next to the house. So someone walking the dog again.
2: If someone were to find you, that looks much worse than just sunbathing
1: in your bath. Why am I in the mud next you in a shit? Maybe they thought you'd died. Uh, Exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh, Maybe, is there some kind of structure that you could put up? Almost like um, one of those beach changing huts, but without a roof, that you could lie in. Perhaps...
1: I just think some of the relaxing vibe of being naked in your own garden would be ruined by having to erect a wall. It'd be a bit like you're in a cocoon, wouldn't it? It would be a bit like you're in Berlin in 1989. I don't think it would be that relaxing. Could
0: you go up on the roof?
1: Um, It's slanted.
0: Yeah, what about on the peak?
1: Uh, Yes, theoretically I could. I, I think it's not worth it just to be naked and then I'd be a mascot for the whole village to see. Five Star Hotel! It had an omelette station, a multitude of pools, but 30 quid for parking, WTF. Four Star Hotel. There's Ethernet, not Wi-Fi like it's 1998, but there was a swim-up bar in the rooftop pool. A bit more down to earth They did still have a pool But it was full of kids Two-star hotel A lot more down to earth They also had a pool But it was full of dogs One-star hotel There's a body in the pool
0: Answer me this holiday All the fun of travelling with none of the stinky toilets or frightening food out now at answermethispodcast.com/slash
1: albums. Ferris has written to us. I wonder if he's having a big day off. <laughs> From Lebanon He says Earlier this year I gave my friend A bit of advice About the stock market My friend followed my advice And made a boatload of money He excitedly called To thank me And offered to pay For my wife and me To go out for dinner At a very nice restaurant In town As a gesture of thanks Initially I kind of Ignored his offer Because honestly I thought it was A pretty meagre Thank you gift In light of the huge amount Of money my friend Had made off my advice
0: Well you should have said When you were giving the advice Here's my advice And my
1: cut is this amount Yeah, but you'd be a dick if you'd say that, wouldn't Mm, you?
0: Not really, especially if it was a small percentage, like 5%. I don't think that's too much to ask for.
1: hold that thought. Uh, Privately, he says, my reaction always was, how about giving me a cut of your profits? But I didn't say anything like that to him.
0: That's what I'm saying, do it in advance rather than afterwards. If you're
1: going to do it, do it in advance, but you can't offer advice and then say, by the way, I charge a commission on my advice.
0: Next time... Think ahead I
1: mean I've got advice You know Go and build a, uh, a rival To the Walt Disney Studios Right I want 5% If you do it I mean it's not the same Is it Or <laughs>
0: well, I'll put 5% Of the loss If a loss happens uh,
1: He and I haven't talked About his offer In months
0: Probably because Ferris. You ignored it
1: <laughs> Recently Ferris. though Continues Ferris I realised I probably made a mistake My friend was genuinely grateful and he certainly wasn't obligated to offer me a free dinner at a nice restaurant and it's a restaurant my wife and I can't normally afford so selfishly I now kind of like the idea of going there and have someone else foot the bill. It's not that selfish.
2: I think so fair it's, it's a bit really? selfish
1: It's no. probably not shellfish though in Lebanon Oh God! My friend and I still talk regularly And are on good terms it's Nice,
0: without, Even though you're stewing away on this
1: Yeah and you'd never offer him financial <laughs> yeah. advice again In case he becomes successful the prick um, <laughs> So Helen answer me this Should I tell my friend I'll take him up on his offer Or is it now too late Given that several months have now passed Since he made it Would it be poor form to say out of the blue Hey remember when you said you'd buy us dinner We'd like to do that now if the offer is still on the table.
0: I think that is rather difficult, especially given the diffidence that you displayed when the offer was initially made and maybe your friend thought, well, I better not offer that to Ferris again because he might be insulted. But maybe the way to do it is saying, oh, we never did go to that restaurant. Yeah, Tell exactly. you what, friend, would you and your partner come with us? We could we could have an evening out yeah, yeah, together. Yeah, that
1: suggests splitting the bill, Helen. He's very, very keen on the point that his friend is paying. But
2: at that point his friend might just say, Oh, of course I will we'll pay might Might's Mike's
1: no good, is it? You can't bank on Mike. Mm. This is you know, you're you're hoping to pick him up on an offer to take you to an expensive restaurant.
2: Well,
0: then I think the the offer has passed.
1: Well, I think what you might say this is very devious. Oh
0: no, it's not gonna be one of your Ollie man grifter things again that you seem to be coming up with an
1: offer.
0: <laughs> you you and your wife creep out of the toilet window.
1: <laughs> what you say is because you so kindly offered to take me to insert name of posh restaurant mm. we'd love to take you and your partner out for dinner as well come with us on saturday we're going to insert name of mid market restaurant mm. now you do have to shell out a little bit for this but you've then planted in his mind the idea that this is already reciprocating for something that didn't happen and then he'll he'll surely say and we never did do that thing. Nah. You don't need to say it yourself.
0: I think, I think that's rubbish. I think, I think that's worse than my suggestion. I think what you could do is say, oh, it's my wife's birthday coming up soon, you know, or we've got a big anniversary coming up. I'd love to take her to that place that you mentioned. And the guy might be like, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I never did you send you to that place. Unless he's already spent all the money
1: that he earned. The thing is, if you're having the kind of conversation where you're offering financial advice and you're good friends anyway, yeah. Yeah. I could say to my... In fact, I did say to my friend Ben, who is taking me out for dinner mm. <laughs> in two weeks' time. I did say you never took me out for my birthday you were going to and now he is and that was fine he was like oh shit yeah forgot about that so that's fine i mean if you're good friends it's not actually that big a deal is it
0: or you could just book in for that restaurant and say to your friend oh i've booked in for our special dinner that you very generously said you'd bought me for saturday uh and your friend is then obligated to go yes <laughs> <laughs> well i'll give you my credit card numbers
1: <laughs> I, that's actually not so bad an idea it's
0: adequate but listeners have you got a good idea that means ferris will finally get his meal? If so, please let us know or you can just send us a question via email, phone or Skype. All of our contact details are on our website, AnswerMeThisPodcast.com
1: And remember, we also have side projects away from the podcasting world mm. of Answer Me we This, sure do. thanks to our crowdfunding target being met, so thank you to everyone who contributed. I am now uh, the presenter of the media podcast uh, which is a fortnightly as it turns out, oh, really? because we didn't get as much money as we wanted, oh. uh, a fortnightly discussion <laughs> show about the UK media, but that's good because it comes out in the Answer me this fallow weeks.
0: Right. So if there's not an episode
1: of Answer Me This, remember, then on the Friday there will be an episode of the Media Podcast. Okay. And you can find that at the mediapodcast.com.
0: Well, and I also make uh, the Sound Women podcast. Uh, this month I spoke to Annie Nightingale, oh, who's been on God. Radio One since nineteen seventy and Was hasn't been fired.
1: She mad as a box of frogs.
0: No, she was very cool. And uh, that's at uh, soundcloud.com slash
2: soundwomen. And uh, I do two monthly podcasts, the same as the ladies' podcast, and a uh, podcast called Brain Train.
1: And if you missed the event that we did at the Apple Store in London, uh, where Helen and I... While Helen was hosting I was on the panel As yeah. was Pete Donaldson From the Football Ramble As was Chris Skinner From the Bugle Fuck you Chris Talking about podcasting Have no fear Because Apple filmed it
0: We'll put a link to it On our website We will And it just remains For us to say Thank you very much To Squarespace For funding this episode Of Answer Me This Because they are benevolent Towards independent podcasts
1: And we will see you next time Bye
2: Helen and Ollie Answer Me This Bye. Bye.